Well, we want to wish you a happy Easter. We remember we celebrate this, that Jesus has risen. He is Lord. So glad that you could be a part today. Hey, I want to encourage you to do just a couple things. You can go to our website. You can download today's message notes and our kids activity sheet at hillschurcharcadia.org. I want to read through some of what we would call the Easter story, and it'll flow right into our message today. In fact, my title is, They Remembered His Words. So I want to pick this up in uh, Luke chapter 24. Follow along with me through verses 1 through 12. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. In fact, I'd encourage you to say that or read it along with me. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself what had happened. In fact, I love, uh, you know, the we, we know in the Bible that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But in John's gospel, we read about the account where two of them were running that. And he, in fact, John talks about himself, about overtaking Peter, running faster than Peter. I always thought that was a funny part. But as we come today, as we come to uh, Easter, I want to make this one statement that we remember this. Easter was never meant for our lives to go back to normal. Easter was intended to make all things new. Not back to normal, all things new. Even as we were reading and people thought it was idle tales and people were perplexed, they didn't know what happened. The angels told them, don't you remember? And what hit them it was when they said they remembered his words. Now, I want to pick this story back up. Uh, uh, if you go along back in Exodus, and I want to pick it up in verse 13. 
And I want us to particularly look today at the questions that two of them had. Now, remember, Jesus has died. They've, they've gone through a Saturday that they were probably all discouraged. Now it's Easter Sunday. He has risen from the dead. And yet they're still discouraged even by some of the reports. And that's why I want to pick this up in verse 13 through verse 35. Follow along with me if you're watching on the screen or if you're listening. And I'd so encourage you to grab a hold of your Bibles and read along as I read. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Ephesus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Notice what Jesus points out, that they're sad. Then the one whose name was Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all of the people, and how the chief priests and the elders and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Let me read that again. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since all these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but, they, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near to the village and they were uh, they uh, where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is towards evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did our 
hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they arose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Well, let's take a moment and pray today. Such a powerful, life-changing story. They remembered his words, but there's also a thought that I want us to always to remember that they didn't move towards Jesus. Jesus moved towards them. Well, Father, we take this moment as we celebrate Easter that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He defeated death, hell, and he overcame sin, sickness, and disease for our sake. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He has risen from the dead, and we celebrate it today. But Lord, let us look into the lives of these two that are listed in the Bible. Let us be people that remember his words, even in the most difficult times. Jesus, we remember your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we pick up this story, um, remember, if you can remember with me, besides the 11 disciples, now remember, there were 12, but Judas had hung himself. Uh, there were other followers and there were other disciples. And they're acting, or even in the story, they're acting like they're leaderless now, and their new faith seems to be falling apart. Two of them were already on their way home on the resurrection day. They're on their way home. In fact, as we're reading, they've got a seven-mile journey that they're on their way home, and the first reports that they're hearing is that the tomb is empty, and it didn't encourage their faith in the least. It only seemed to be more confusing to them. These two are now on their own road trip all the way home. And they said something, and they used that word, but we were hoping that it was he that was going to redeem Israel. Isn't it interesting that in their thought, Jesus was only going to redeem Israel. And yet in Jesus's heart and God the Father's heart, it was all about redeeming the entire world, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, that there was that opportunity of redemption. So in this two to four hour, who knows, trip that they're walking along, it would seem that they're wondering why they had either left and followed, and they were so disappointed. But, you know, we read something, and it's the first indication when Jesus comes on the scene. He comments on them on Resurrection Sunday being sad. In fact, the Greek word gives us that uh, other illustration of they looked very sad. In fact, verse 21 is the one that we looked at. Uh, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day when this thing had happened. So without any hope, it seemed their faith was destroyed. But I want you to hear this today. 
in the middle of people's faith that is destroyed, in the middle of people that might seem hopeless, even in the midst of those that should know better, Jesus jumps in on their conversation and begins to talk. In fact, I, I love when they talk about it is they're looking at Jesus like, are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on in these days? You know, I recently heard about there was a, a very famous actor that during a good section of the COVID, you know, restrictions and sheltering in place was at some uh, retreat, some meditation retreat and coming out of it, he didn't even know that anything had changed. I remember reading some reports that even on some of our most top secret nuclear submarines, they didn't initially tell the sailors that early just to not discourage them in their mission. And I, I imagine the minute that they found out, you know, we'd gone through months of this, it almost seems like that's what they think about Jesus. Where have you been? What have you been doing? You've missed all of the commotion that has taken place in this last week. And it seems to be that some divine operation is blocking them from recognizing who Jesus is for a moment. In fact, Jesus doesn't want them to recognize him by what he looks like. He wants them to recognize him by the words that he has said. You know, if you remember back in one of the stories in Mark, uh, in fact, we read in the Gospels, uh, Mary thinks Jesus after resurrection is the gardener. We also know that he in Mark, he talks about he appeared in a different form. He wanted them. He wanted to see their faith. He wanted them to remember his words. In fact, and I thought about this, the inability to recognize Jesus mirrored the unbelief of what the scriptures had been revealed to them. They so, they so unbelieved, in fact, they could not even recognize Jesus, and it took them a while. In fact, they only recognized him when he broke the bread. They looked so sad. They were returning from Jerusalem. And we know this, that Jesus begins to expound all things about them. In fact, let me make this statement. Jesus doesn't give them a new commandment. I want to start today, the very first Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to start with a new commandment. You know what he does? He takes them back through the word of God. He expounds to them from Moses and through the prophets all of the things that describe him and what he did. But I think the most important part of this story and how it affects us today is these words. Jesus didn't wait for them to move. They were moving away from Jerusalem. They were going back to where they live. They didn't run to Jerusalem. They didn't camp out by the tomb. They weren't remembering his words of waiting three days. Jesus, or I could say, he moved to them. He's always doing that. He's always moving on people's behalf. Those that believe him, those that don't believe him, those that have heard about him, he's always on the move. And I want to say this today, whether you're watching or you're listening, is you may know somebody and you might say, this person is completely walking the other way from God. Do you know, as we see in this story, 
if Jesus shows us that he moves towards people, these aren't the disciples that are now the apostles. This is somebody named Cleophas and somebody else. Other disciples, followers. If he can move towards them on their behalf, he can move towards our loved ones. He can move towards our friends that have been turned off to the gospel. He can move towards those that have been, whether they've been hurt in a church or a ministry, whether they've given up the faith, whether they've looked at the world around and wondered where God is, Jesus shows us that he is moving in their behalf to expose and expound the scriptures so that they'll, they'll believe. I love what they talk about at the end, that, and they use that word, that their hearts burned. Their hearts burned. His words do that in our heart. Boy, it's something it like sticks on the inside. It's something that we can't forget. And he takes the time to expound to them. And I love that one part, you know, their eyes are open in the middle of breaking bread. You know, that, that's our, what we call communion. As they were breaking bread together, their eyes were open. And in the breaking of the bread, I wonder if they saw his hands. These were the hands that they probably witnessed multiply food to feed the thousands. But now these hands were broken on themselves. These hands had nail scars still in them, still will be for eternity. They were the hands that were at the Last Supper. Now these nail-pierced hands are probably seen differently now, and in an instant, Jesus is gone. Now, what I love what these guys do is they don't go to bed, and they don't wait wait till the next morning. They get right up, and they go back to Jerusalem. And I love that part. There was that hunger in them to get back to those that were huddled somewhere that were struggling with either idle tales, not believing, and they had to tell them another two to four hour walk all the way back seven miles to let them know that Jesus had appeared to them and was in and amongst their conversation that day. Did our hearts not burn? And they found the 11 and they told them that Jesus was risen from the dead and they explained all of those things to him. You know, I think about uh, Jesus, and he does this great description to them and in his ministry, and it's in, found in these verses in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. In fact, Jesus says these words. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Notice what he says, enter that narrow gate. Wide is the gate to destruction. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. In fact, the New Living Translation says it this way. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Do you know, we see this example of Jesus that these two 
followers, not apostles now, have questions, and he comes in on the scene. He moved towards them. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 40 years, four years, four months, four seconds. Jesus will move to you. And he wants to remind you of the words that he says. You know, you know what we do often when we pray for people that have run away from God? We always will pray something like this. Father, we pray that the word of God that is on the inside of them would come up and they would remember what you say. We pray that, that they would understand that it's you speaking to them. And so Jesus shows us he's not waiting at the tomb, which he probably could have. He could have waited at the tomb. Okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a head count here. I got Mary. I don't see, oh, now I've got Peter and I've got, I've got John. John outran Peter, but Peter went in. Where is everybody else? I'm not going anywhere else. I'm waiting right here for everybody to show up. And those that are show up, no, you know, he did. He went to them. He later goes to them. He goes to a guy by the name of Thomas, which he's always referred to as doubting Thomas, because Thomas said, I will only believe if I can stick my fingers through the nail scars in his hands and put my hand into the sword pierced side. Jesus went to them. Jesus comes to us, but we've got to remember his words. And he gives us that word that following him and people that accept him, it's a narrow gate. And the gate that people mainly go through is wide and it's a gate to destruction. But he wants us to know, no, 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 go the narrow gate. It's not easy. It's difficult. There's trials and there's persecutions along the way, but go the narrow gate. The narrow gate leads to life. I'm coming to talk to you guys on the road. I'm coming to you and I'm wanting to explain these things because you look sad. You look disheartened. You look discouraged. You look like you've given up hope. But I want to come to you today and I want to encourage you. I want you to remember the words. Get back on track because there's a wide gate and it's going to destruction. And I want you to go through the narrow gate. That's Jesus' heart. You know, God the Father could have done this a long time ago. In fact, we, we get a great picture of how things went. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when Adam and Eve sin and everything begins to go sideways. Genesis chapter 6 begins the talk of the flood. Genesis, uh, you know, later on, 10 and 11, the Tower of Babel. Uh, we have Abraham. Isn't it interesting? All throughout the history of mankind, that mankind follows their way, their gate, their wide gate, doing what they want to do, not following after God's ways. God could have left it alone. Yet he sent Jesus, his son, to open up the narrow gate, to allow us an opportunity to walk in, to follow his words. It's going to be difficult. It's a narrow gate. It's a hard way. It's full of tricks and traps, but it's the way of faith. It's the way of life. It's the way of hope. It's the way Jesus is leading. But many go 
through the wide gate. You know why? It's easy. The crowd's going that way. We follow the crowd. Jesus wants you to follow that narrow gate. You know, there's a verse in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 3, verse 20. And it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens it, opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. In fact, when we were only live streaming, um, I, I made the accident of when I, when I read this first couple of times, I knocked on the wood table and it alerted the dogs as if somebody was at the front door and I was concerned that now I would have barking and the whole bit through the recording, which I didn't. But notice what Jesus does. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. You know, my first Bible that I was given, it has this, um, if you look up the Revelation 3 um, classic image, it is of G- long-haired Jesus knocking on a door. In fact, the picture shows no handle on the door for him to open. I always thought that was interesting. There's not a handle for him to open. I've always had this image that there's that the door handle is only on the inside. And it's the person on the inside that has to open the door. So many times, regardless of if you're a believer already, an unbeliever, we shut doors. There's things we don't want to hear that God says. We read something. We don't want to hear that. We keep the door closed. Jesus says those words, open the door, let me in. Let me dine with you. You know, you dine with those you care about. And he says, and he wants to do that with you. Open the door. So I don't know what challenge you face this Easter season, but here's what I see Jesus doing. Jesus leaves the tomb, fulfills what he needs to fulfill in heaven. You can read about that in the book of Hebrews. But he's out and about finding people to remind them about his words. He's out and about. He moves towards you. He's moving towards you today. He has things that he wants to share with you. He has things that he wants to open up for you to grow in him, but he moves towards you. You may not be walking seven miles away, but he's going to make the move towards you, but are you going to open the door? In fact, let me pray two things for for us today. I want to pray for anybody on this Easter message that has never accepted Jesus as their personal Savior and or you've been running the other direction. But today is a day where you've got to get in the narrow gate and allow him to be the one you open the door and let him come in. You know, as we do often, this verse or this prayer comes out of Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And that reads that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The most important prayer that you'll ever pray. And I want to encourage you to pray it along with me today. Pray it, no distractions. Pray it from your heart. 
Pray it from your mouth and say these words with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today, I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that for the very first time, I would so encourage you to connect with us either on the social media platform that you're watching, if you're listening along. In fact, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click the contact button, send us an email, follow up even with an email to info at hillschurcharcadia.org. You have now gone from the wide gate to the narrow gate. You've now gone from him knocking on the door to you opening the door, and he found you. I also want to pray for us today. In fact, you might be thinking today on Easter of a family member that's running away from God, doesn't want to have anything to do. In fact, I'm thinking of a few people in relationships that we have that want to have absolutely nothing to do ever again with the Lord Jesus because they've been hurt. My prayer today, and I want to pray for us, that as we've seen, that regardless if somebody's sad, discouraged, hopeless, going a different direction, Jesus moved towards them. So, Father, we thank you. In fact, um, where we are, even if we can privately, we say those people's names, and we know that you are always active. We know you are the one that searches every heart. We pray today for them. We pray like we see that had happened to these two, that you would move towards them on their behalf. We also know the Bible says we can pray and you send out labors, people that will come across their path. I pray that happens today. Somebody somewhere comes across their path and they remember the words of Jesus whether they're listening to something as they drive on the radio, whether they're listening to something while they're streaming something at home, Lord, I pray today is a day of salvation and Jesus is on the move and he's moving towards them. And we pray those things over them. You're protecting them. I pray they remember your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, before we close, we wanna receive our, tithes and offerings today. And the whole Christian faith is to act and walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's what our giving's about. We we give not unto some institution, not unto, it's unto God. And we have faith in him that he fulfills the very things that he has promised and what he has said. So I'd like you to pray this prayer along with me. Would you mean it from your heart? Whether you're listening or reading it, don't just read it to read it. Pray it from your heart. God is on the move. God is looking for those that have faith. Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I have faith in the God who created the heavens 
and the earth. The God who has given us his infallible world. The God who promises and never breaks his word. I have faith in my God who shall supply all that is needed. I choose to put my trust in the Lord again today, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can go and give online. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. On the top part of our website, click the Give button. It's safe, fast, and secure. You can also give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Hey, we're so glad that we had an opportunity to be together on Easter Sunday. He is risen. But never forget the words that he has spoken. Remember what he has said always. And remember that he is always on the move. And he's coming into every conversation. And he wants to reveal himself to you. We pray that you have a great Easter we, and that you are blessed this week in Jesus' name.